Welcome to the Exit Strategy, your no bullshit guide to divorce with the experienced attorneys from New Direction Family Law and guests that have been there. Unfiltered discussions to help you move from victim to victorious and from bitter to better. Hi, everyone. It's Elizabeth Stevenson with New Direction Family Law, and I'm here with my favorite law partner. Yes, her favorite of all time <laughs> and forever and ever, Sarah Hink. Thank you for joining us today, everyone. Absolutely. We have another wonderful guest with us. We just get the best guests in our podcast. Judy, is such a good, I don't know, guest finder? I guess I'm the, sh- the show, show the producer. Whisperer. <laughs> I like to think it was a matchmaker. Another calling, too. Um, but we have Adam Hopler. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. He is an estate attorney. He is with the firm Hopler, Wilms, and Hannah. So thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, real pleasure. We're going to be talking about the intersection of family law, so divorce separation, and what that might mean for you, for your estate, and how a lot of times we recommend our clients go speak to estate attorneys. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us a little about you and your background and, and what you do. I've been practicing law almost 12 years, pretty much in Durham the entire time. My wife and I moved into Durham, uh, I guess, about 16 years ago. We have uh, six kids and uh, went through law school. I only had one at the time. so it <laughs> Been wasn't really busy bad. since yeah. law school. <laughs> yeah, chaos is a normal part of, uh, of life for me. And it's just kept that way. Yeah, but uh, the guys, uh, Chris Wilms and uh, Peter Hanna and I have been working together and um, really just trying to focus on helping people work through this uh, succession aspect, um, transitions in life, incompetency, death, business transitions is uh, a lot of what we focus on. At what point do you you know, notice in a case or in a consultation, like, oh, this person might need to speak to an estate attorney? Um, I think you need to, like, if you're separating and divorcing and you have a fairly nice estate or a business, closely held business, absolutely. Yeah. You need to go talk to someone. Yeah. And I've got a very interesting case now where the parties have been separated like 25 years. They're in their 90s. And we have a court case coming up, but I don't, we think one party is not competent. That that has some issues that go yeah, on. Yeah, competency mm-hmm. certainly, yeah. you know, comes with a lot of our cases, unfortunately. And, and then also just planning for anyone who is aging and has an estate, how to best set that up for the benefit of their children. Right. There's lots of different ways you can do that, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, it's good to keep that in mind when having those consultations, mm-hmm. for sure. My experience has been, we use words like estate planning, real estate, and it sounds very Downton Abbey. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Uh, we have to have royalty involved before we start talking to attorneys. Um, right. But at the general matter, it tends to be the folk that have lesser means for which these documents become far more important. Because that's one of the things I always like to say about estate planning is that it's not really about you. It's about everybody who's around you. Yeah. Because they're the ones that wind up dealing with the ramifications right. of your failure to plan or to not acknowledge it. feels the like I'm in trouble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Ooh, that does not feel good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would never put into a dollar sign as a reason. It tends to be more about who are the people around you and what are you aiming for them in the instance that things don't go exactly the way that you're planning, having those contingencies in place. But yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. I never really thought about it that way. The other day I filled out like an online quote for life insurance because now I have a baby. I'm like, oh, I need some life insurance for the baby. Mm -hmm. And then it like asked me like my mortgages and my debts. And then it spit out the exact number of those things combined is that is my insurance. Like, and I was like, oh. So basically, yeah. the life insurance is to cover my debts. C- correct. <laughs> so my children don't have to. This is what in my head is like, this is what I'm thinking. 
So it is like you, you have to think about this in your medical bills if you, you know, end up mm-hmm. needing medical help, end of life care, right. what's that, Absolutely. how that's going to happen. And really looking at this big picture, not just who's going to get my house, who's going to get my couch kind of deal. Yeah, there's a whole lot that goes into it. Um, some of it uh, attorneys help with and, and other times we're even making references to uh, financial advisors mm-hmm. uh, or other folks that might do insurance planning. But working through those beneficiary designations, I still remember a story from law school about a professor that had set up a life insurance when he was very young. He was in college. And he says, I am hip. I'm ahead of the game. I'm going to be <laughs> such a responsible guy. But he had made his beneficiary his, his then girlfriend. Oh, no. A <laughs> girlfriend. And apparently forgot about the fact that when you get married, that doesn't automatically right. change uh, your beneficiary designations. Fortunately, he figured that one out. Obviously, he wasn't dead when he was talking to us. But yeah, it's those things. You have to go back periodically. You got to look this stuff right. over. It takes a little bit of time. It's probably one of the things in my profession uh, that doesn't get looked at well enough is that, you know, you really do have to revisit these topics and go through because life changes mm-hmm. so fast. The, the pandemic is a obvious example of that. You mm-hmm. just think about all the things that happened to you in one year. Mm-hmm. It normally might have taken three or five or something. But yeah. Yeah. I have yeah. a lot of people come in as, would well, you have a will? Yes. Where is it? I don't know. What's in it? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> or we prepare a separation yeah. agreement and it has a lot of verbiage about spousal elections and goes into kind of the statutory laws in North Carolina is what's going to happen to your state if you mm-hmm. die without a will. Mm-hmm. And I get a lot of questions about that mm-hmm. and why it's in a separation agreement. Just general, you know, what happens if you don't have a will and you're married and you die? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Who gets your stuff? <laughs> yeah, we, we have a whole little statutory will, if you will. I'm going to use that word a lot, mm-hmm. probably, and confuse everybody. But <laughs> You die intestate, right? Yeah, you die intestate, because that's a lot less confusing. To say <laughs> that way. They die without a will. Yeah, die. you die without a will. Um, yeah, what we'll do is we'll look at whether you have children or not first. Mm-hmm. If you have only one, a spouse and a child will split evenly. If you have two or more, a spouse gets a third of the estate and the other two or more get the remaining two thirds. But then you also have considerations for things like a spousal allowance. So mm-hmm. in North Carolina, the first 60000 in an estate is automatically claimable by the spouse, mm-hmm. which for a lot of people may be it. You think about uh, a couple accounts, uh, a couple vehicles, and a spouse comes in and basically cleans up shop. Fortunately, all of that is done before any kind of creditors. Uh, so it's meant to protect a, a spouse. But you can imagine a scenario where maybe you separated right. and you're intending to get divorced and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I know they shouldn't get anything or the kids are thinking maybe they shouldn't or heaven forbid you have one of those split scenarios where you got kids on one side and kids on right, the other. Right. And suddenly, if you pass in the middle of that period, before it's actually finalized, the divorce that is, they come in and they claim 60 yeah, k right off right. the top. The, That's why I tell people you get hit by a bus today, the person you're trying to yeah. divorce today is going to get all your stuff. And you I'm know? amazed how many people will come and they've been separated for 10 plus years and not gotten a divorce, not mm-hmm. settled their separation of their estate and, and kind of just lived their separate lives, right. but still might share finances. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people are older. They're like in their right. 50s, 60s who separate. And I guess they just don't plan to take any extra steps there to, <laughs> to finalize it for a while. And yeah. they're like 70, 80 and come to us. What in the world? But it happens and they might not have a will and they don't realize that's going to happen. So that's all that extra verbiage and a separation agreement will help cover right. until the divorce kicks in. Because if you sign a separation agreement and you're mm-hmm. one month into separation, you can't get a divorce yet. Right. Yeah, Lots oftentimes of- you have the the folk who have the the well-intentioned plan that's up in their head. Mm-hmm. They haven't put it down on paper. 
it's it's wonderful, but it's if it's not on paper, it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> Correct. So you have to take those extra steps. We'll get cases sometimes with inherited land where you've got multiple generations mm -hmm. of people who have passed away. And then you go through the process of talking to these folk and you get those stories where you run into folk who are like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm separated from uh, my wife or my husband for 10, 20 years. And uh, so we don't really have to involve them. No. Oh, you gotta You're go like, where are them. they? Like, yeah. I don't even know where they are, but we're not divorced. And everybody always says, oh, we got along pretty well. It's been a long time since we separated. I'm sure it'll be fine. But. You're coming to an ex, uh, not quite ex-spouse and saying, I'm getting money out of this property. Yeah. And you don't think they're going to be interested in that. You, know, yeah. you probably have another thing coming. Yeah. yeah. So taking the time, even if you're not going to get the divorce, still going through mm -hmm. the elements of the uh, the equitable distribution, right. coming up with that plan and laying it out is pretty, pretty critical. Because I, I think you, you hear folk and they have the, I'll say the more traditional morality of we don't believe in divorce. Right. But they still separate mm -hmm. and it may be very well called for, but still taking the time to think through what's your intention. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't want to get the divorce, but if you for all intent and purpose intended to be permanent, you need to separate. Yeah. Things you need out. to separate. You got to put it down on paper. Right. You got to plan that out. Cause again, otherwise come back to, you got family members who wind up dealing the repercussions of not putting that on paper. Yeah. A spouse that's getting asked to be guardian. Exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you got to um, think of, along the lines of two, you generally you do them in threes. You do your health care power of attorney, your power of attorney, and your will. So it's not just your will you have to take care of, but you don't want your ex being the one to determine if it's a plug. <laughs> yeah. You know? yes. Yeah, I'm sure they would be happy to help. <laughs> and yeah, your will, will is going to control, too. So right. if, you, if you go through the process of divorce and say we get a court order saying you divide all this property but your will is not updated yet, and it says it all goes to your wife that you just divorced. Well, she and then you die the next day. She gets it all anyway. <laughs> yeah, so you got to make sure that you're changing your will and you're not pushing that back because right. you don't know. You can't control life. Right. We have people that die in the middle of litigation, and then their estate comes in and takes their place for equitable distribution right, right. trials, and it's a big old mess. So don't right. die during your case. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah generally you can not control it. Yeah. <laughs> So what's the deal with, like, you have 401k or whatever, you, you have a designated beneficiary. Mm. And I don't, I didn't do very well in the States in law school a second. <laughs> <laughs> Explain probate to me and what's in and what's out and how complicated uh, that is for family yeah, members yeah. to have to deal with. Yeah, that is a, a fascinating topic. I could probably talk for a long time, but try and keep it to the point. You have, you have assets that are, you might say, are in your possession at the time of your death. Okay. And then you have things that may come into possession after your death. Life insurance, mm -hmm. uh, retirement accounts, things of that sort are things that you you have a right to, but they're not actually yours. Mm -hmm. That's a funny principle, but a 401k and other retirement plans are a lot like a trust. You're making this money deposit into an account mm -hmm. that's used for your benefit. It's invested by others. The government may have rules and stipulations about how it applies. But it becomes payable to you when you make demand for it mm -hmm. or it's required to come to you or, of course, if you pass. So that death is actually a trigger, like a life insurance mm -hmm. is a trigger. And so it comes to your beneficiaries after the fact. Uh, so we don't consider that to be, you know, what the word, you know, probate, probate. as a part of the as assets that the estate would control. But that doesn't mean that it's not necessarily applicable. When we have a large amount of debt, we can sometimes draw things back in. But 401ks and retirement accounts generally are much harder to get to, uh, especially when you have spouses involved. 
But uh, yeah, there are some distinctions there about what the estate controls. Um, and basically the ramification of that is the estate is what the public and the court sees. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll hear attorneys that will talk about trying to not have probate. And it's, it sounds nice when they say it that way, uh, but what they really mean is just not have your stuff go through the probate process. Right. Probate is actually a pretty good thing. We declare debts, whether or not they're valid. And so if you want to make sure you know who you have to pay, and maybe you not have to pay people because they don't <laughs> follow the proper process, and that's what the probate process is for. You take your stuff, you apply it to the debts that are legitimate, clean shop, and you have an inheritance or you don't. Right. So without going through the probate process, you've got these debts that are just lingering out there unaddressed. But uh, yeah, I don't know if that helps at all. It does. That's, that's like 101. Yes. Yeah. I've yeah. had to you know, subpoena probate information in some of my cases. So what happens, let's say you are separate, you don't have a separation agreement. You, you've moved out of the house, your, your wife is in there, but you're separated and the person who moved out died. What happens with the house? Yeah. If they're still married, that can be a fairly dramatic turnaround and event. Because in North Carolina, we have this fun little ownership <laughs> interest called tenancy by the entirety. <laughs> and it goes back to this biblical mythos of spouses having 100% interest both at the same time, simultaneously. Right. right. Mm -hmm. That really, math don't uh, math, right? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, pretty crazy. But so if you were to die in that particular scenario and you own that house as, uh, as spouses, the other one... Right away, 100% total interest right. that is theirs. So that's a pretty big deal. So you might want to have a conversation about that. But interestingly, what we also see is uh, folk that will do these kind of quickie divorce type situations where they get the divorce, but they don't do equitable distribution. Oh, yeah. yeah. We get Oops. those too. After the fact, After I'm like, the oh, fact. my God. No, you're screaming. Uh -huh. Sorry. <laughs> and so in North Carolina, once the divorce happens, if you still have ownership, it becomes uh, uh, tenants in common. Right. That is a 50-50 deal. And that's right. a mess right there. Total mess. A lot of fun for me. Yeah, do you if do you... the petitions to partition? Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Don't. yeah we... I don't. I do them too. I, I don't I want can't them. stand them. Y'all send them to you every time. <laughs> I have a, a whole attorney and division that, because partitions come to us from different angles, because like we'll have estates where a property is tied up and you may have multiple owners. We'll have guardianship estates where we're needing to sell property while somebody's still alive, but they can't do it themselves. Or like in this scenario I'm talking about, we'll have people who contact us and they'll say, we got a divorce, but I can't seem to get my husband to just willingly leave. <laughs> of course. What? I'm shocked. What? Huh? Yeah. What can I do about that? Well, you can file a court action and force the sale of the property. And each of you will get 50-50 right. the equity. But try explaining what equity is. Yeah. That, that can be a little bit And in bit those cases, some of my clients have argued, well, they didn't make a mortgage payment during the marriage. Does that even matter at that point for a petition to partition? Or is it just going to be 50-50? Uh, yeah, it's usually, I think the default is going to be like a 50-50 scenario. Yeah. You can try and put on evidence about, because it's an equitable remedy who mm -hmm. gets the money on the back end. And so you can present to a judge and say, I paid this and he paid that. And essentially have a quasi-equitable distribution in front of a clerk of court. But oftentimes when you have debate about how it's going to be split up, the court, when it sees an issue of equity, the clerk that is, it's going to kick it up to superior court mm -hmm. anyways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're going to wind up having all the, the litigation formalities to go with that. So it's a real question of, do you want to spend the attorney's right. fees to figure out 
that equitable distribution, is it really that big of a difference? Did they, you pay that much more than he did during she did. Proof and evidence. Yeah, right. yeah, <laughs> evidence. proof and evidence and yeah. subpoenas. Yeah, but and, in the but in our world in ED, it doesn't matter who paid that them. you paid a hundred percent of the mortgage. The if you're court's going to say, yeah. "Great for you, sir," but you're not getting any credit for that in equitable distribution. Does do you get credit for that in like a partition? I would I would probably posit on that one that I would be calling y'all on that question, <laughs> depending on who confusing. depending yeah. on who I'm representing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, in that situation, if I'm the one who paid, I would want to argue this isn't an equitable distribution. Right. Yeah. And so right. it should be counted that way because we got divorced and we didn't do it. But of course, if I'm the one who didn't pay, then I would say if we were in divorce court and we were doing it, then mm -hmm. maybe right. it would go the other direction. That's why some cases end up with us. And I, some, some places with you. you. I never and... thought about that. That's true. Yeah. 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 So yeah. if you've been looking for the opportunity to have your name emblazoned on a court of appeals case, yeah, yeah you can pay money for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and <laughs> it'll be there forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's yep. just something you want to take care of before That's you divorce. Right, time. 100 percent, and a lot of you know, I see an uptick in cohabitation agreements. Right. I do those, oh, yeah. and it's for people who aren't married right, but living together, but living together, house, buying a house together. together. Yeah, and so they want the same kind of protection, and basically you just do a contract for it. Same with a prenup. Hey guys, it's Jen with New Direction Family Law. Let's face it, divorce affects a lot of people, myself included. I've been there. There's no easy way around it. It just sucks. But determining the finances of one household splitting into two can be one of the most stressful issues of divorce. Will alimony or child support have to be paid? Who gets the house and the cards? Who has to pay all the credit card debt or any other debt? Do I get to keep all of my retirement? These are all important questions that you need answered going into a divorce. And it's so important that you're represented by an experienced family law attorney that can answer these questions for you and help you develop a plan specifically for you and your situation to move forward. New Direction Family Law has over 30 years experience protecting the rights of our clients when going through divorce. We aggressively advocate, support, and educate our clients to achieve the best possible outcomes. So give us a call today to schedule an initial consultation at 919-719-3470 or reach out to us via our website at newdirectionfamilylaw.com. Okay, so I didn't know if you could do that. He wanted, it was his second marriage, had an adult daughter, and he wanted, if he died, he wanted his half of the house to go to his daughter but if they were still married mm -hmm. even though it would automatically go to the wife and if but if you set it out in your will that way would that overcome the tenants by the entirety no I don't, so. I don't i don't think so yeah i think you would have to have a restructuring of the deed i'm pretty sure where you could have the spouses get together and sign and say that they're restructuring the ownership interest and then you would you'd be eliminating the tenancy by the entirety Tiring. aspect. It's possible for like couples with other couples, and it was weird as that sound, to have co-ownership where this couple owns their interest as tenancy by the entirety and this couple owns right. theirs. Yeah. But then what happens between them, you have to define that. Well, a beach house or something and you were... That happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good example. Yeah, where you have a shared vacation property right, right. And, and you're just maybe... You got another couple that you really like hanging out with, or right. something, or or it could be uh, a family situation. Right? Maybe they inherited, yeah. or something to that effect. Well, see, in my prenups, I address that right. if they want their share to of a property. Well, you're already tenants. If they're not, they haven't bought a house yet. Cause uh, they're uh, not married uh, yet. Uh, okay. So you just put it in the prenuptial agreement. This is what's going to 
happen to oh, yeah. my share, and you know, okay. and then you combine the estate language in it. So what? I have so a, far, no problems, problems. there. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> when my prenup people, if they ever, I don't know. Why do people? Do why it. do couples put their houses in a trust? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's actually a pretty common uh, estate planning right. thing that we that's see. What I see a lot of. Uh, yeah, you will have the essentially the tenancy by the entirety protection and in a, a revocable trust. And it's probably one of those things I'm sure you all have to muddle through when you're like, okay, wait, we've got this property here that's uh, that's in a trust. Right. How are we going to divvy that up? A lot of the same analysis, I think, applies, though, that if you plan or don't plan, you, you, I'm pretty sure you cannot maintain the tenancy by the entirety status in a trust form if you get the divorce. Uh, so you're going to have kind of an automatic by law modification of the ownership interest. But essentially, you still have this trust right. that's in place with presumably two people who are still the trustees, the husband, or I guess now ex-husband, ex ex-wife. Yeah. Right. And so I guess they're thinking that they can still cooperate with each other on that. <laughs> That ownership. <laughs> I think I've, I've talked with Jen about this a couple of times, but that's actually been a recurring thing that we've been seeing more of lately where couples don't do the equitable distribution. They have the common ownership. So it's not tenancy by the entirety. Right. They have a 50-50 split. Right. And then one or the other spouse passes away. And now what winds up happening, and in every one that I've seen so far, they had a child, at least one or multiple children. Right. And it that's the case, going back to what we said before, your heirs are your children if you don't have a spouse. Mm -hmm. So now that 50% interest is owned by a minor or minors. Correct. What does that mean? You can't have a minor signed contracts. Right. So you're talking about getting a guardianship mm -hmm. established for a minor child. And hopefully you're in the state of North Carolina I and mean, not Virginia right. or something oh, yeah. else. And so that that complexity has come up quite a bit where we wind up having to establish a minor guardianship just so that the now surviving parent has the ability to sell the home. I guess some instances, maybe one spouse was staying mm -hmm, in that one and mm -hmm. they left it, but that one's now passed. And you wind up creating this court supervision of half of the, the dollar value of the right, asset. Right, Because it's got to stay with the child. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's not a... It's not a cover for the spousal or the uh, parental obligation. It's just parents are presumed to cover the cost of their children. Right. So if the child inherits something, the court sees that as an asset that needs to be preserved until they hit the age of 18. Right. It's not supposed to be a substitute for your for parental your, responsibility. Your, right. Yeah. yeah for uh, so it just sits there. And it's amazing. It's, I'm sure throughout the entire divorce proceeding, you know, they were both wishing that the other would pass away. <laughs> and it's like, oh, why, sure. why didn't you plan yeah, for it? Like, ah, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's sad for sure. But it's a real thing. And right. people don't think that it's going to happen to them until it, it actually until does. It does. Yeah. And the scenario is very similar with in incapacity as well. So if a spouse becomes incapacitated, Alzheimer's, dementia, well, now it's half of it's subject to a court proceeding. Right. And so you got to work through that. So- I've had, these are not cases, but not things I've heard is that, let's say you get, you're older, you get remarried, the husband very, let's say, and has kids of his own, but mm -hmm. he bought the house and he dies and now the new wife is in the house. Is there any protection for her? Yeah. North Carolina has an elective share option. And I think there's like a old school word for it, it was like a dowry, but basically yeah. like a life estate. And so it is possible for you to elect into utilizing the homestead as a an asset that you have access to, but right. it, it's, it's the life estate. And so you'd be able to say, well, you can't kick me out of the house. Not ownership, but it, it's something. So that's, again, if you're in that second marriage situation, that's helpful if you're the spouse that, that survived, of course. 
if it's one of those separated scenarios, and of course, everybody may feel pretty differently about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You do have lots of different feelings. feelings. And when that happens, <laughs> yeah, that's right. they might have animosity to the step-parent in their life for whatever reason. They don't understand why they would get anything in the death of their 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 parent. Right, right. So that's when you can get litigation from arising from when there's a death. And that's something you want to avoid. But a lot of times mm. it can happen just if people are upset. And that doesn't mean they're going to get what they want, but they right. can still file something, correct? Oh, yeah. And I, and I think that's one of the harder things for people to grab hold of is the reality that many times litigation in this subject matter is not by unreasonable people. Mm-hmm. Think about like a basic situation, and I, I say basic because I'm an attorney, but <laughs> a family member that has become incapacitated, whether it's because of an accident or because of a mental failing, they can't care for themselves and we need to go get guardianship. Mm-hmm. Okay, who's going to be the guardian? Now, if you are fortunate to have a lot of people who love you, you're going to have competition for that job potentially. <laughs> and what is happening? You have People who love you, who are all jockeying for this position to care for you, but how do you posture yourself as to everyone else? Mm-hmm. You have to show why you're better. And that's awkward, right? Because yeah. now you're bringing things up about the past. Right, this person, right. they do this, or they did this, or they have these credentials, or I'm smarter than they are, or whatever. It doesn't go over yeah, and so right. once you get into a court scenario, you're saying things on a public record about why you're a better fit than someone else. That's just nobody means poorly by that. Oftentimes, they're just trying to leverage and get what they think is what's in the best, best interest, interest of the person. Right. But it's just the court system is innately set up in an adversarial way. So when you take that time to discuss what should happen, the healthcare power of attorney. Right. You know, wh- who should be my guardian? Do I have an agent under power of attorney that can manage my finances? Simplify the court proceeding if you have to have it. It means a whole lot. I mean, so many times that's what you're facing is these well-meaning family members right. who are trying to do what's right, mm-hmm. caring for a minor or an elderly individual that just can't do it themselves. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it, it they're not well-meaning. So, well, was, maybe not all. Yeah. And there was a recent court of appeals case that came out this past year. And so, married couple, and what the dad or I guess the husband got moved to a care facility. So, just the wife in the house. And maybe this was reversed, the people. But they're sep- they separated like physically. There's one in a, in a livid, living assisted home or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the day that happened, where one spouse moved, moved out of the house because of obviously health issues, not because there was any emotional ties to it. They get the spouse in the home, the children do, declared incapacitated, need a guardian, get guardianship, file for divorce, saying that they separated when the spouse got moved out for health reasons. And what people don't know is like when they do the estate, so equitable distribution, if they get a certain amount of money, guardians get a certain percentage of that. Yeah, that's that passes through it. So there, so it was just like double dipping there. These children did this, forced a separation. These people aren't actually like separated with the intent to have a divorce. They're just in getting near the end of their life, and one needed a care, and one declared incapacitated, and the children were forcing a divorce to get money to run through the uh, guardianship. And I was like, I hear these like horror stories out there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how you protect protect yourself against that happening. 
The herb <laughs> just happens to you, and at that point, you can't do anything. Oh, gracious. You know, it, it makes me feel like uh, sometimes people will ask me, I really don't want this person to sue me. Can I do it? <laughs> and so this is America. And if you have a couple hundred bucks in your pocket and the ability to type something out, you can file you can, whatever. You can file <laughs> yeah. whatever. Will you be successful? Would it pan out? That's another question. Yeah, it's it really is hard to get around the actual ill-intentioned family member because mm -hmm. there's always some way to take the system and abuse it. And unfortunately, at that point, this is where uh, estate planning can get extremely personal. Is uh, and I'm sure you guys run into the similar. Begin to get a wake-up call about the reality of like how your life is organized and what your relationship is with the people around you. Because mm -hmm. as uh, as much as we want estate planning to fix everything. Probably the best thing that you can do is to actually have good relationships with your family. <laughs> if only it was just that easy. You begin to reap the right. effects of that. And it's not, we're attorneys and counselors at law. And so sometimes you have to step back and say, maybe this is a good time to start talking about some family counseling and see if there's something that can be done to, to deal with that if you really have that ill-intentioned individual. Discussion is a big deal, even yes. with your attorney. Yeah. You can see it coming, having the discussion yeah. about what can we do to implement right. some sort of a strategy. If you can call it out beforehand, that's all. I think you give yourself a better position. You write something into will. I'm fully expecting XYZ son to come through and make trouble. And yeah. if they do, I want you to do this and this. Yeah, and that, do yeah. this. And yeah. Well, I will say, you know, my mother's generation is like 84. You know, I know where the will is, but. People aren't comfortable about talking about money and yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know what's in there, you know. Mm -hmm. I, but I, I think you should have those conversations so that you're not, so that you have some planning in that yeah. respect. Then you hear about the, oh, they told me I was going to get this, but, it but says then I that, got that. So I think it's not else about getting the them. stuff. It's about what happened. I want to be prepared and and you know be able to go through this process yeah. with knowledge and share like account information i have money at, I, I, yeah in these like places. i have no idea where her stuff is I, here's this is the name of my financial advice right, exactly. state attorney like we should right. know these people to right. reach out to right. yeah it's a little ridiculous but there's a real favorite scene of mine from the i forget it's the the second batman movie with christian bale the one uh -huh. with the joker in it mm -hmm. heath ledger oh, yeah. and uh, the joker is looking at i think it's two-face and he's saying hey look people see crazy things happen out in Afghanistan and Iraq. Maybe there's a shooting at a school and they just roll with it. Why? Because it's, it's expected. It's part of the plan. It's the way life is. But I throw one bomb in the middle of a city that they didn't see coming and everybody loses their mind. <laughs> you know, it's like this happens every day. Why are you so upset? And it's you just don't see it coming. Therefore, it's wild and crazy and unexpected. Right. But if you sit down and have that conversation, conversation with your family members and tell them, I know this sounds wild and crazy, but I might unexpectedly pass away. Mm -hmm. I might become incapacitated. Mm -hmm. And if I did, this is how you're going to handle it. Yeah. That would be lovely. So well, that, right. that happened with my family a couple summers ago. Um, right. My uncle, unfortunately, was killed in a car accident. And his wife had a severe brain injury, and so she couldn't address anything. And then 
my grandfather as well was involved in the accident, unfortunately, later on passed. And they were they all were each other's things. Oh, my God. So here was my stepdad trying to figure out how do I access these mm. accounts? How do I access the money right, to pay right, bills right. and all that kind of stuff? Thankfully, they got it all figured out. But it was obviously a massive headache. And like, how do you plan for that? That, that every person yeah. that you've designated to handle this for you. So my parents came home and immediately got and I'm sure all about these like little books where you write down what your accounts are and what the passwords are mm. and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. For my brother and I should something happen yeah. to them. Oh, good. good. Yeah. That's good. a smart thing yeah. to do for sure. That is a, a, a pretty common theme. A lot of folks that come and they're the ones that want to do this. It's because they've experienced that. Once you see it happen, you begin to realize, wow, this, this is really about everybody who's around me. Right. You know, I don't right. want to be the one that does this to my family, family members. Let me take that time and set it out. Let's prepare the book. Let's have the documents together. Mm-hmm. I might facetiously say, I guess, Everybody could have the same attorney, but you just call one guy. So, uh, Hopler, Wilms, and Hannah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, short of that, that's a pretty wild scenario. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was pretty that crazy. At the same yeah. time. And yeah. you're right. It's like people who get divorced and they're going to get remarried. That's when they think of a prenup. But you only die once. So you get one chance to really yeah. plan for that one. Yeah, no redo. Yeah, yeah. Dave Bond movie, you only die. I have no idea. <laughs> I did say when the Adam and I see each other on a weekly basis in a, in a networking group they were both in, and uh, the last presentation I did was on prenups, and so I said that it was like a will for the death of your marriage is, mm. is another way to look at a prenup. So yes. why not? Yeah. Why yeah. not? Also, Adam, I'm going to put you on the spot because I told him about your little rhyme rap <laughs> oh, that no. you do. So yeah. since you just mentioned Hopper, Wilms, and Hannah, <laughs> would you please delight all of our listeners oh, with your please. 30 seconds? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, I mean, I... I like to tell people, I'm Adam Hoppler with Hoppler, Williams and Hannah. I'm an attorney. I help folk plan their final journey. I write wills as part of a team that helps to protect your hopes and dreams. Do you have a family that's causing you strife? Want to leave it all to your lovely wife? Look at those kids. Did you see what they did? Don't be a hater. Not to their face. You save it for later. Then put them in their place. See, when you write your will, it's for the end. But don't fret too much. We can always amend. Don't do it yourself, though. Call us. We can help. Better than pro se. Better than online. A process so fast you'll be done in no time. Patient demeanor. Deliberate manner. We're helping you work with your financial planner. So don't wait for a sign to fall like manna. Just give a call to Hopler, Wilms, and Hannah. Love so it. good, right? So good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There you go. There you go. Well, yeah. Tell me, so on, on a last note, what's the best advice you can give to folks going through a separation divorce regarding their trust, their wills, their estate? that kind of in protection for themselves and their kids. Yeah, probably take your attorney seriously. Uh, right, thank yeah. you. So when they say, go look at your estate plan right. and talk to somebody who understands how it works and what it is and why it is, do that. Take the time out of your day and go work on it. We're all very busy, but it's when tragedy strikes, we always find time to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the hardest one. Just a, it's a crazy lesson in life that, You can choose to take the time on your own initiative, or you can wait to be forced to take Mm -hmm. it. And uh, yeah, I think that's just one of the best things. It's just take it, and and it applies to so many different things. Just planning generally. You're planning a business. You're planning a family. You're planning anything. Put the time and energy into thinking it through. Prenups right. and wills, y'all. Prenups and wills, <laughs> y'all. Yeah. yeah. And uh, divorce isn't certain, but death is. is. So, you death know, if you're taxes, listening out there, yeah. reach out to Adam. Thank Absolutely. you so much for being here Thank today. You. Yeah, it, was Real great. Pleasure. it was really helpful and informative. Yeah. I appreciate it. And ain't, and ain't that, that some sh- <laughs> Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a review. You can visit us at newdirectionfamilylaw.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at the exit strategy underscore podcast or email us at exitstrategy at newdirectionfamilylaw.com. 
We'll be back next time with more no bullshit content about life, divorce, parenting, relationships, and everything in between.